0: Worship and the different types of worship. And today, I actually want to... It's been really interesting the way that God has just dovetailed a a whole bunch of stuff. Um, That our worship is actually a testimony. It's not only a testimony. It it is driven almost by a testimony. Within it, there's a testimony. uh, And there's something that, in that word testimony, really, that should be driving our worship. And yes, our worship's our whole life, and I'll make that point as I speak, but there's something beautiful that we capture in the Psalms, and David continues to give us this beautiful picture because our worship our, it, it is an answer to the stuff that God has done in our life. You know, It's an answer to what God has done in our life, and it's from that point that I, I, I want to teach us and I want to challenge us yeah, to step into a new place. With worship. Even some of Mel's um, and what was happening up here when she was saying that the whole idea of healing and what God does and in the communion, you'll find through David's words in Psalm 18 that our, our testimony, our worship, actually, there's a sense of healing in that. It's, that's why we worship, you know. And sometimes we have to realize, we have to remember our testimonies yeah, because it's so easily forgotten. So God, I just thank you, Lord, for today. Father, I thank you for, I guess, just the wonderful privilege and honour we have of just sitting in your presence, Lord, of doing something so, so wonderful as worshipping you. I thank you, Lord, that Lord, you're alive today. I thank you, God, that you've not forsaken us. You've not gone anywhere. I thank you that you're still here. Lord, I thank you that you're with us in this place. You're with us, Lord, in our hearts. You're with those that are at home, that are listening, that are watching, God, whether they're in Ballarat or Warrnambool, God, wherever they are. Thank you, God, that, Lord, you are where your people are. And, Lord, as you're with us, I thank you for the way that you encourage us, the way that you bless us, the way that you constantly lift us up and carry us through, through, the, uh, through the valleys. And, Father, the way that you're there when we're on the mountaintops. Lord, you're a glorious God that is worthy of living out a life of worship. and We give you all the glory this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So with the thought of worship, worship being a testimony, driving our testimony, being driven by the testimony, I want to read um, Psalm 18. It's a long psalm, so we're not going to look at it all. Is that all right? Um, Please feel free to do some of your own study at home. But this would give us a really good snapshot, I reckon. So um, Psalm 18, the first... First eight verses anyway to start with. And this particular psalm has got one of the longest intros and I, I won't read it out at, right now, but it, you know, normally a psalm says it's for the direct, director of music or the other week it's a mictac and all that sort of stuff, or mictam. Um, it always says something. This has, of all the psalms, the longest intro. Right, so for me, the fact that it's got the longest introduction to it, it's like David saying, hello, take a look. Have a, have a look at something important about what I'm writing down now. And verse 1 reads, I love you, Lord, my strength. And we've been doing it all morning, and we should be doing it all our lives, but that just reminds us, should remind us all, it's really good, you know, to tell God that you love him. I'm just, just saying, the same way it's good to tell your spouse, it's good to tell your kids, it's good to tell those that are in your life that you love them, it's good to tell Father God that we love him. Verse 2 The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. I, I love that because God's God. He's the creator of everything. But there's such a, a, a tangible wording that's used. I've cried out and it's gone to his ears. I don't know about you. In all the ways that I, I picture God, I don't think I've ever stopped to picture his ears. Have you? <laughs> like, you don't know. But our cries, when we cry out to him, make it to his ears. And, and, and look what happens next. It's like this explosion of, of nature as David writes first 7 says the earth trembled and quake and the foundations of the mountains shook they trembled because he was angry smoke rose from his nostrils consuming fire came from his mouth burning coals blazed out of it i mean this is a lot like exodus 19 really where where moses went up to the mountain and and while he's up there preparing for his people you know there's thunder there's lightning and all the young people said it's very, very frightening, etc. You know. From there, I want to jump to verse 16, because we've got David setting this picture. I, I love you, God. You're my rock. You're my salvation. And all of a sudden, God seems angry. And, and the world around him is freaking out. Like, nature is freaking out. And then we jump to verse 16. And, and, and what we capture here in verse 16 is an answer to prayer. Yeah, because our lives are often, I love you, Lord. You're my rock. You're my salvation. You're awesome. Oh my goodness. My life is falling apart. I can't hear because of the noise. I'm freaking out. You know, this is what's happening in this psalm. And if really, if, if we, to be honest, that's what happens in life. One of our kids gets sick. One of our parents pass away. Life is, feels like it's falling apart. The earth is flat out screaming. And then verse 16 says, he reached down from on high. Took hold of me, he drew me out of deep waters. Straight from the beginning, you know, like we got 50 verses. By verse 16, David already is sharing a testimony. He's sharing a testimony in amongst everything that's that's happening. And the testimony is that I'm drowning, but he actually reached down and he pulled me out. So there's this explosion around the earth, this thunder, this rain, this wind. Nature's going totally wild. It's almost like it's speaking. Yeah? It's responding to what's happening around it. And God reaches down in the midst of that and lifts us out, really, if you like, if you will, out of the waters. Mel nailed it with, by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. He still does this today. He still pulls us out of the waters today. He still does this for his bride today. He still does this for his church today. Verse 17 goes, He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And I love that, that he rescued me because he delighted in me. You should underline that because if I remember, I'll make a point later. And, and now I'm going to jump to the second last verse. Because yes, this is a psalm, but this psalm is a testimony. This psalm is about an answer to prayer. And, and, and it's, also, it's also about praise. Yeah? And the verse, the verse 49 that I want to jump to actually starts with a therefore. Yeah, it, it starts with a therefore. Does everybody know what therefore means? Really simple. Therefore means this is what it's there for. Yeah? This is what it's there for. This is why I've written all this other stuff. This is why I told the Lord I loved him. This is why I told you that the, the earth was going nuts. This is why I told you that he came and he rescued me. Therefore, I will praise you, Lord, yeah. among the nations. Therefore, I will sing the praises of your name. So that's what I want to talk about today is that sense of testimony. Therefore, I will worship you. Therefore, I will exalt you. Therefore, I'm quite happy to make a fool of myself for you because you rescued me. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. You know, I, I want to encourage us, all of us, that yes, worship is our entire life. Let me say this, though. When you get to heaven... What do the angels choose to do? What does the Bible say they do? It says that they worship, that they sing. They sing. I know there's stuff still going on in the earth. I know there's still people that require justice. There's still stuff going on. But isn't it interesting that the world can say, you know, you're so focused on God. You're so focused on worshipping him. What about those that need our help? Well, let's ask the angels. Because they're there with God, totally enamoured by his majesty and beauty. It sounds almost sad, but not concerned to a point with what's happening below them, because they're in the presence of the one that knows all. Yeah? The heart of worship is that we have a testimony. The heart of our worship should be that we have a testimony. Like it should be. Our story is in the middle of it. It's in the middle of that mess of the thunder, the lightning, the rain, the wind, the noise, all of that calamity. Our story is in the middle of that. And and our prayers come out of the middle of that. You know, Our cries. And then in the middle of all that, then God answers. I love it when we pray for God to remove situations. And often he doesn't. Because the reality is, and I heard it so perfectly put um, yesterday at a men's breakfast by um, a pastor by the name of Brett Lindner. And what he said was, if we didn't go through the stuff that we go through, you wouldn't be the people that you are today. I wouldn't be who I am. So if God was to remove us, we wouldn't be the same person. Who's to say we'd still have faith? Yeah? In the middle of everything. Our cries and our mess, God answers in the middle of that. And God's to be worshipped. God's in the centre of our worship. It's always, always, always about him. But the beauty of a testimony is that God reaches down to us. Yeah? He reaches down to us. And when we actually capture, when we actually see what he's done in our lives, that's what makes it possible for us to praise him. That's what makes it possible for us to exalt him and worship him in a brand new way because it's now become personal. People who can't worship... (laughs) Okay, let's step into this hole. People who struggle to sing out his praise haven't yet had a personal experience that they've captured and seen and fallen in love with. Because when when you actually realise all that he's done, You can't help but want to serve him. You can't help but want to talk about him. You can't help but want to sing out his praises because he's good. And God himself comes and he personally applies himself to our lives. Man, what a God. So the question to all of us today is, do we have a testimony? Do we know what it is to be rescued by God because some of us I've spoken to people it happens all the time you could be in a friendship group small group this church that church any church lounge room so what what's God done in your life I don't know like I, I know I'm making a bit of and I'm teasing a bit but come on man really I don't know He's rescued each and every one of us. You know what it is to be rescued by him? It's really simple. The Bible says that we've all sinned against him. The Bible's really clear. Are we still sinners? No, 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 we're not. Because we've said yes to him. We're now sons and daughters of God. But prior to the cross, you and I, we have all sinned against him. And the Bible says that sin leads to death. So we wouldn't even be able to be with God in eternity. Yeah, go with me here unless he first rescued us. We need to be so secure in the fact that if Father God hadn't rescued us, we wouldn't have an eternity with him. We all have a testimony. And so you and I, we need to actually accept the fact and allow Father God to rescue us. We could allow him to come into places. You know, the, the hardest thing in church, and I know we've talked about it for years, is that so many of us have a mask. And we keep secrets with God and with each other because deep down inside there's some hurt, something that's happened, home, as a child, whatever it might be. We don't want to share it because of shame, but we don't even allow God near it. Yeah, Sometimes we need to allow him to rescue us where the, most of our pain is, where the thunder and the lightning and the wind and the rain exist. Yeah, Yeah. You know, Jesus was sent into this world to be our rescuer, full stop, our saviour. So you and I, we all here today have a salvation testimony. Is that fair? Even even if you've been born into a Christian home like my kids, there must come a time. There must. And some of you might say, I don't know if I've ever had that moment. I'm telling you, somewhere in your life, you have decided that God was real. Whether it was when you were four or five or six or 18, somewhere you decided that you were going to continue in this faith of your parents because there's some realness to it, reality to it. And for those of us that got saved later in life, it's just a little bit easier for us to draw the line in the sand because we were out there away from him and have now discovered him. We all have a salvation testimony. now. If we've been baptized, that's another part of our testimony, something that we have to share, something that we have to worship with, worship to, be inspired by. You know, if if I had asked you to testify, most of us can testify of our salvation. You know, I once didn't know the Lord, but now I do now I do. Now I do. And if you think about it, most people, not all people, most people come to the Lord at an early age. So then it beckons, is my salvation testimony the only testimony I have? And do I only get, it to get to share that once or twice because of what happened 20 years ago? I want to share that when we're walking with the Lord, if, that, if our salvation testimony is all that we have, then where are all the stories as we've walked with him? Where are all the stories, like David writes, of answered prayer, yeah, that, that I, I guess encourage us? And fan into flame the faith within us, so we want to worship Him. We want to talk about Him. You know, when we think about answered prayer, that's a testimony. And sometimes our testimony can, be, can come from conviction. You know, I remember when I was coming to the Lord, I'd, I found the Lord, and I, I, I had some friends that were going to Bible college. I was challenged to go to Bible college, and it became a conviction. You know, that God had placed really almost heavily in my heart. And no matter what I did, wherever I went, it felt like I couldn't get away from the thought of, should I go to Bible college? You know, it had its pros and cons, but I couldn't shake the thought. For me at the time, I couldn't shake the thought, should I go to Bible college? I could learn, I could grow in him. The fact that I went, that becomes a testimony because God had placed conviction in my heart. And so now that's a testimony of what God has done inside of me. It's just like the same thing when God places an impression on your heart to start tithing. I don't know if I should tithe. Can I tithe? Should I? Um, It's really tight at home at the moment. Uh, But then eventually you actually realize, you know what? Not only should I tithe, man, I should be generous, I should live generously, I want to give to God. That conviction's now taken hold, so much so that you want to make sure that everybody around you understands that, because the reality is, don't give, it's okay, you're still saved, you're still going to heaven, but the blessing that comes with giving, hear me well, you will never, ever experience, ever, ever. You will not understand the full generosity of God until you step into a place of faith where you're generous. That's not a guilt trip. That's the gospel, right? That's how it works. But then the testimony, that conviction that's on your heart when you start to give is something that you can share. So you've got your salvation testimony. You've got these prayers that are answered that are a testimony. Now you've got God doing something in your life through conviction that becomes a testimony. So, so we get a, a salvation testimony, we get the conviction testimonies, we get the prayer testimonies, and what I want us to see in particular in this psalm is that the Lord is our rescuer, because that, that's almost like the kindling yeah, at the bottom of our faith that just starts the embers burning so that we can worship, we can live our life as Christians, as ones who love the Lord. Psalm 18 I mentioned earlier has one of the the longest intros known to man. And if you're gonna summarize it, you summarize it like this: when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Because it's much longer than that, but pretty much that's how you would summarize it. But this is where the psalm gets interesting, because you've got to catch this. David has been delivered from the hand of all of his enemies. And one enemy in particular is singled out. And it's not Goliath. I reckon that should have been the one that he talked about, even Goliath. Even the the Philistine monster. But instead, he talks about Saul. So here, in one of the most detailed explanations of the Psalms, this must be pretty special because there's a really big story behind it. The interesting thing is you can't pinpoint a particular event again in this particular psalm. It, it it's, seems to be a general sweep of events. You know, most of the psalms that we've looked at of late, we've been able to jump in a little bit deeper and see the setting, get the context, get some understanding of what the writer is saying. But not here. You know, this one, this psalm gives us actually more detail from the outset. It, it starts off, the summary starts off, it's for the director of music. So David, you've got to get this right, David has written a song. He then goes over and gives it to Sally, right, as a director of music. So Sally, you need to play my song. Not only that, I want the whole church to sing it. And not only that, I want the whole country to sing it. Thanks very much. Pretty confident (laughs) in his work. Here's a song to teach the people to sing. And you and I, we need to be able to sing this song to the Lord, really, Psalm 18. Now, even though the people do sing together in worship, and even though the worship setting is God's people coming together, the psalm, the song that they're singing is a journey. They're singing a journey. David wants them to know the journey. He wants them to know that, hey, you need to know that God is your fortress. You need to know that he's your strength. You need to know that he's your stronghold. But, hey, you need to know that stuff around you is going to go wild, that the storms are coming, thunder's going to be belting, lightning's going to be bright. You're going to be frightened so much so that he takes us into caves and mountains and valleys, right? All through those 50 verses. It takes us on this journey and and it takes us on a journey where David's on the run from his enemies and his enemies are actually really close to him, especially Saul. I reckon the Philistines would probably be disappointed that Saul was mentioned and not Goliath, just personally. You know, Saul is the man that should have been mentoring David. Saul should have been mentoring him. David was supposed to succeed Saul. Saul. This is his hero, yeah? His absolute hero. But Saul was jealous. And his jealousy turned to hatred. It and then, and then turns to violence. It turns to deception. And when you've got someone like that, basically what you've got is an oppressor. What you've got is a bully. And, and they, they are unpredictable. You don't know what they're going to do. David didn't know what Saul was going to do. And therefore, yeah, he seems to have an answer to prayer. And therefore, this song, this psalm I mentioned earlier is a celebration because he somehow got an answer to prayer through that. That's insane. Imagine someone that you look up to that's supposed to be your mentor that becomes your greatest enemy that's trying to kill you. I remember once when I was asleep and I woke up and the male had a pillow over me. No, I'm joking. I'm sorry. But it, you know what I mean? That's how close they would have been. It would have been like that. Yeah? And so... There's an answer to prayer from David's heart as he cries out. And just as David's experienced deliverance from his enemies, you and I need to hear this, so can all of God's people. So all of us can actually say, like David, I have been delivered from my enemy, yeah? Those that have got COVID should be able to say, so I've been delivered from COVID. Those that have got long COVID, we heard a story yesterday of a man who had long COVID, fatigue, six months, not able to do anything, walks from here to there, wiped out, needs to sit, lie down. Brett was sharing it as he prayed with him. He felt something leave. The man started running around the auditorium. He can say, I have been delivered. Rob, who's had his surgery, sorry to pick on you, Rob, you know, and who looks much lighter, which is a shame. I think I picked up his 30 kilos or whatever it is that he's lost. Thanks, Rob, for passing those over. Um, but he can say, you know what? Even though he's still on the journey, I have been delivered. I can trust my God. I have seen his hand. He's been upon my life. I have been delivered from the enemy. And so we have this awesome psalm and that we're focusing on, particularly the first few verses of Scripture. I love you, Lord, my strength. Man, I love that. This is so important. I am thankful for my upbringing in, in my you know, Pentecostal church. Yeah, not the AOG church. It was an independent church. But I love the fact that they used to get us to praise the Lord out loud. I love that. Do you know what? It's so embarrassing for some people because sometimes here we even say, and please, this is not a condemnation, but hear my heart because I think God always lifts us up. He always says, come on, there's more in you. Come on, you're better than that. Come on, we can do this together, yeah? So I love the fact that when someone says, hey, just for a moment, why don't you thank God for what he's done in your life? You know, the worst thing is silence. I mean, come on. I thank you that I actually woke this morning I thank you that my kids got up, went to school, came home safely. I thank you that when he played football and that guy punched him, he got up, he didn't have concussion. We always, we always, we always have something to be thankful for. But it all depends if we've got a testimony. Because if we don't have a testimony, then we get embarrassed. I don't want to say it out loud. What will people think around me? I'll tell you what people think around you. Particularly those that are visiting the church. I wonder if their worship's real. That's a silent moment. I wonder if they really th- believe the words that they're singing. They look like they're constipated while they're worshipping. You, you guys might think I'm joking. But our worship is supposed to come from the inside of us. So what does it look like when you've got a visitor and, and you're there and you're miming the words? Heaven forbid for the men in the US who don't like worship because that's all they're going to get when they get to heaven. They may as well now put in the ticket to go to the other place and give up because they're going to be doing what they obviously hate at the moment. Like, it's something that comes from the inside of us. I'm so glad. Think about it. If we can say to our kids or to our wives or to our spouses or to our grandkids or to our friends, you know, I love you, hon. I really love you, Sally. I love you, Samuel. I love you, Rachel. If we can do that out loud... To people, how is it that we struggle when it comes to the living God that's given us the very testimonies that keep us alive and well, yeah? yeah? Come on, there should be more in us. Oh, Man, it's from the overflow of our heart, isn't it? That stuff happens. Yeah. Let's be a people that don't have to be reminded to tell the Lord that we love him in private or out loud, yeah? Yeah? And Father, I so love you. And they're not hard words. Father, I so love you. Thank you for when you did that in my life. Thank you for that, car, that 27th car accident I had. And somehow you saved me again. You must be getting tired. You know, whoever my angel is, I'm telling you, when I, between the age of 18 and 21, I had three accidents every year for three years. I know insane is not, and if I told you some of the stories, falling asleep with a cruise control on at 110k's, driving to Sydney, whoever my guardian angel is, he earned his money. Like flat out, you know. I've got testimonies. So when I worship, yes, I cry, I'm emotional, I'm tan, but it's because, man, I just, I know what he's done for me. I know what he's done for me. I know what he's done for you in part. Yeah? You know, this story of this psalm isn't complicated. David has enemies, he's oppressed, he's attacked, and God delivers him from his enemies. So the first thing I want to say really is with prayer and worship, we need to declare who God is. Declare who he is. We should do that in the morning, in our devotions, the night before we go to bed, at the dinner table, however it works for you. We should declare who God is in our lifestyle, in everything we do, because everything about worship is about him and not about us. But it's what he's done in us that drives us to worship him. Amen? Yeah. The heart of worship is understanding who God is. You know, verse 2 The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge. He, he actually repeats it here. It's like he's trying to remind himself or make sure that people understand it while they're singing it. Yeah? In whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. What a picture! I mean, there's a stack of stuff here. He's our rock, our fortress, our deliverer. He's our rock, in case you missed it, yeah? I love that because it's showing the strength and stability of Father God. No matter what's happening, no matter how much thunder there is, how much lightning, how much rain, how much noise, how much trouble, how much tribulation, it doesn't matter. You know, right now, Psalm 31 seems to be a psalm that gets quoted everywhere, particularly on social media, and especially for those that are in war-torn countries like the Ukraine, because they're believers that are looking for psalms of strength. I believe verse 2 could be one of those, you know, wartime songs that we sing, just as David sang it when he wrote it during his wartime, amen? Yeah? You know, so many pictures, you know, I guess, preacher illustrations, if you will. Rock, fortress, shield, horn. They're all strong, protective words and words that remind us of just how strong and how great God is. And we've got so much to worship him for, so as we declare who God is, we see his strength. You know, there's three more words in those verses, deliverer, refuge, salvation. Those three words apply to our lives so much because, really, that's my whole testimony, He delivered me. He's my refuge. He's my saviour. I believe that should be, it could be the testimony of everyone that's here, everyone that's listening at home. The psalm declares who God is, and that's the heart of worship. As David writes, he tells the story of answered prayer, and that's the crux of the psalm, really, and we get that in verse 3. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I've been saved from my enemies. David saying, hey, I called to the Lord. I stopped and I spoke to him. I said, g'day. I had a conversation. I said, hey, buddy, I need your help. <laughs> and he says, who is worthy of praise. And that means he's worthy. Whenever anybody says to you, so, why do you love God? Whew, start to praise him. Start to tell him why. Have an answer. If he's really God of our lives, we should have an answer for that question, shouldn't we? He's worthy of my, our praise. And then David says, "And I've been saved from my enemies." That's the testimony. You know, we need to make sure that you and I that we call to the Lord, who is worthy of our praise, and we should expect deliverance. We should expect deliverance it may not come how we think or when we think but we should be able to very comfortably expect deliverance in every situation now this verse covers such a long season you know that one verse they say covers a quarter of a century because really when it was written it it It's a long season. It starts around the victory of David. It's about all the battles against the Philistines. It's a long season where David had to hide from Saul. And then he's crowned as king in Hebron. And not only that, then he eventually is crowned king, king, you know, because he takes Jerusalem. So by the time this psalm is written, he's probably well into his kingship, like flat out, well into his kingship. So I suggest that verse 3, really, 25, 30 years, easy, is how much that, that one line is capturing 25 to 30 years of David's life. And if you and I have been a follower of Jesus for a long time, we don't just have a salvation story we have, and a salvation testimony. You and I have got a prayer testimony. Well, does anyone write down prayers and then occasionally tick them off as God answers them? Man, what a way to be able to remind ourselves of how good God is. Yeah, How good he is. I can't imagine how many Prayers have been prayed in this church before my time, before Pastor Ross Borden's time, before Pastor Dale White's time. The church is 160 odd years old. It was Mount Clear Community Church, before it was Mount, Mount Clear Church of Christ, before it was Family Life Church. And there's probably something else in between. How many prayers have been answered here that anybody who comes here should be able to walk in and praise the Lord? Man. There's a story about Charles Spurgeon that he prayed for all his friends to be saved. And um, after his death, two of them were saved. After his death. I just want to say, sometimes our prayers won't get answered when we think. And sometimes they're not answered, and praise God for that, but sometimes they're prayed after the fact. Yeah? There are times where people may try to kick you and keep you down and laugh at you and go, when stuff's going on in your life. But at the end of the day, their voices will disappear when you raise up because you've had an answer to prayer. Yeah? Their voices will disappear when you rise again with prayers that have been answered. God is a God, as Mal said earlier, who still answers prayer, who still heals, who still sets free. That's why we worship. That's that's why we praise. It's, It's who he is. Now, we just have to remember to declare who he is. Declare who God is. Our rock, our fortress... A deliverer. And then be able to tell the story of answered prayer, no matter how small. You know, we were at home and we were sick and Mel didn't want to cook. And I'm telling you, when she doesn't want to cook, she would have sent up a prayer. And this has happened multiple times. And then someone knocks on the door and drops off food that we we were not expecting. Coincidence? Come on. Man, there's too many of those coincidences. That's enough to remind us, you know what? He is so intent of knowing everything whether it's a huge prayer or whether it's a small prayer he is involved in our life you know with David what happens with him he describes a situation that he faced you know he says the cause of death was all around me and then the heavens open and God does this awesome stuff and reaches down from on high and answers his prayer oh, I love that I love that so I just want to ask a question rhetorical but so finally, we're going to ask, what did God do? It seems in telling the story, there's this circular thing that's happening. Because David says, the big picture is that God answers my prayer, and then he actually tells the story over again, and over again. But we need to have a look at how hard it would have been for David to tell that story. You know, this wasn't an easy name and claim claimant. It wasn't, life's not that difficult type prayer. This is the kind of Faith that will sustain us, even if we're in a third world country. This is the kind of faith that will keep you in a village in Africa with only a handful of other believers. Because yeah. the cords of death, verse 4 says, entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. Verse 5, the cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. This is serious stuff. Vivid words of death, destruction, grave, traps... All the way from verse 4 to verse 6. there's suffering, there's pain, the distress. But it's a, what seems like an impossible situation. Yeah? It seems like an impossible situation. But when you and I, when we're in situations like this, that we don't know how it's going to affect us humanly, just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abnego, when they went into the fire not really knowing what could happen, except that God might, God could... That's all that they knew. And even if he didn't save them in the fire, they knew that God was, only, was going to justify them and deliver them and they'd be home with him or that their clothes wouldn't burn and they'd be okay. That's all that they knew. I want to encourage us that through our stories and through the stories in Scripture particularly that the most impossible situations make for the greatest of testimonies. In my distress, verse 6 says, I called to the Lord, I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. I love this. Our cries get to the Father in heaven. Not because we're perfect. Not because our lives are perfect, but because Jesus is perfect. Because Jesus is the one that's in our life. And we pray, to, we pray to him through the power of the Holy Spirit that's within us, amen. And then the Lord takes our prayers. But I, I love this, and I, I touched on it earlier, that sometimes he doesn't answer our prayers. But... Do you know what? That when that happens, maybe, just maybe, God knows something more than us. Maybe, just maybe, he's doing something better yeah, than what our prayers are asking for. Maybe he turns our imperfect request and makes it a perfect one. Sometimes it, his answer to prayer comes in waiting. Sometimes it comes because it, it actually builds your character if you've ever been waiting for a long time. Sometimes it comes in the delay, but in the delay, it's just saying there's something better down the road. What did God do? The earth trembled and quaked. Smoke rose from his nostrils. He parted the heavens. He came down. Verse 16 and 17, he reached down from on high took hold of me. He drew me out of the waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. This is the story. This is the testimony. Yeah? We declare who God is today. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Our God is our rock, is our fortress. We tell the story of answered prayer. I called on the Lord who's worthy to be praised. And I've been saved from my enemies. What did God do? He answered prayer. I and mean, that is enough to worship Him. That's enough to sing out in His praise. That's enough to lift my hands. It's enough to kneel down. It's enough to cry. It's enough to come back the next Sunday and worship with the people of God together. Amen? Be assured that Father God is the best and greatest prayer answerer in the history of the world and before and after. Amen? Why don't we stand? You know, I believe if we're to think about it, We'd all have a story of answered prayer somewhere in our lives, but sometimes we just have to remember it. We've got to remember it. We have to remember it. The answered prayer is a testimony. And this one thing I know there is power in our testimonies. If you want to see someone come to the Lord, just stop, 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 stop trying to explain theologically the gospel. Don't do it. Man, you don't. You're killing that person. They're going to run away. Holy Spirit already left. You want someone to come to faith. Share your testimony. Testimonies. Share your story of what God has done, where he's plucked you out of, what he continues to do. Share the story of answered prayer. No one, no one, no one can argue with you something that is real in your life and heart. No one can rob that from you. Not nobody. No matter how strong of an atheist they may believe that they are. If it's my story, it's my story, bad luck. You know, those prayers that we desperately cry out to God will eventually be a testimony that you and I will share with others. I believe that there is nothing, there's nothing more powerful than a testimony that you and I have. You know, when we sing worship, it's an overflow of our testimony. You know, my prayer is that when we sing praises to God, we'll declare who he is, but we'll remember what he's done in our life. So whether we're in this church, whether we're outside, whether we're across the road and someone says, oh, I notice you're coming out of the church, why do you go there? Whether you're worshipping at a conference, you'll know why you worship. Because you're declaring who God is. You're remembering and telling everyone around you what he's done in your life. You've written those words down and now you're asking the director of music to make sure that we sing this song so that everyone else will know. Our worship, our worship is a response to who he, he is and all that He has done. Our worship, when we can't worship, that's not real. When we can't worship, that's not alive. I want us to sing a song. Is that all right? Good. It's no kids' church. We don't have to run out and save the poor workers today. yeah. I just want us, just for a moment, yeah, if the worship team can come up, if that's okay. Sal, can we sing that third song? It? Yeah, if that's all right.